This is the Cyber Defense Coach audiobook podcast presenting NIST Special Publication 800-171 Revision 2 by Ron Ross, Victoria Politeri, Kelly Dempsey, Mark Riddle, and Gary Juzini. Part 3 of 6 This title is edited and abridged to aid in audio understanding. Appendices have been removed and some areas have been shortened. NIST Special Publication 800-171 Revision 2, Part 3, The Requirements, 3.1, Access Control, Basic Security Requirements, 3.1.1, Limit System Access to Authorized Users, Processes Acting on Behalf of Authorized Users and Devices, Including Other Systems, Discussion, Access control policies control access between active entities or subjects and passive entities or objects in systems. Access enforcement mechanisms can be employed at the application and service level to provide increased information security. Other systems include systems internal and external to the organization. This requirement focuses on account management for systems and applications. The definition of an enforcement of access authorizations other than those determined by account type, example, privileged versus non-privileged, are addressed in requirement 3.1.2. 3.1.2 limits system access to the types of transactions and functions that authorized users are permitted to execute. Discussion. Organizations may choose to define access privileges or other attributes by account, by type of account, or a combination of both. System account types include individual, shared, group, system, anonymous, guest, emergency, developer, manufacturer, vendor, and temporary. Other attributes required for authorizing access include restrictions on time of day, day of week, and point of origin. In defining other account attributes, organizations consider system-related requirements, such as system upgrades and scheduled maintenance and mission or business requirements, such as time zone differences, customer requirements, and remote access to support travel requirements. Derived security requirements. 3.1.3, control the flow of CUI in accordance with approved authorizations. Discussion, information flow control regulates where information can travel within a system and between systems versus who can access the information and without explicit regard to subsequent accesses to that information. Flow control restrictions include the following, keeping export controlled information from being transmitted in the clear to the internet, blocking outside traffic that claims to be from within the organization, restricting requests to the internet that are not from the internal web proxy server, and limiting information transfers between organizations based on data structures and content. Organizations commonly use information flow control policies and enforcement mechanisms to control the flow of information between designated sources and destinations within systems and between interconnected systems. Flow control is based on characteristics of the information or the information path. Enforcement occurs in boundary protection devices that employ rule sets or establish configuration settings that restrict system services, provide a packet filtering capability based on header information, or message filtering capability based on message content. Organizations also consider the trustworthiness of filtering and inspection mechanisms that are critical to information flow enforcement. 
transferring information between systems representing different security domains with different security policies introduces risk that such transfers violate one or more domain security policies. In such situations, information owners or stewards provide guidance at designated policy enforcement points between interconnected systems. Organizations consider mandating specific architectural solutions when required to enforce specific security policies. Enforcement includes prohibiting information transfers between interconnected systems, employing hardware mechanisms to enforce one-way information flows, and implementing trustworthy regrading mechanisms to reassign security attributes and security labels. 3.1.4 Separate the duties of individuals to reduce the risk of malevolent activity without collusion. Discussion Separation of duties addresses the potential for abuse of authorized privileges and helps to reduce the risk of malevolent activity without collusion. Separation of duties includes dividing mission functions and system support functions among different individuals or roles, conducting system support functions with different individuals, such as configuration management, quality assurance and testing, system management, programming, and network security and ensuring that security personnel administering access control functions do not also administer audit functions. Because separation of duty violations can span systems and application domains, organizations consider the entirety of organizational systems and system components when developing policy on separation of duties. 3.1.5 Employ the principle of least privilege, including for specific security functions and privileged accounts. Discussion Organizations employ the principle of least privilege for specific duties and authorized accesses for users and processes. The principle of least privilege is applied with the goal of authorized privileges no higher than necessary to accomplish required organizational missions or business functions. Organizations consider the creation of additional processes, roles, and system accounts as necessary to achieve least privilege. Organizations also apply least privilege to the development, implementation, and operation of organizational systems. Security functions include establishing system accounts, setting events to be logged, setting intrusion detection parameters, and configuring access authorizations. Privileged accounts, including super-user accounts, are typically described as system administrator for various types of commercial off-the-shelf operating systems. Restricting privileged accounts to specific personnel or roles prevents day-to-day -day users from having access to privileged information or functions. Organizations may differentiate in the application of this requirement between allowed privileges for local accounts and for domain accounts provided organizations retain the ability to control system configurations for key security parameters and is otherwise necessary to sufficiently mitigate risk. 3.1.6 Use non-privileged accounts or roles when accessing non-security functions. Discussion This requirement limits exposure when operating from within privileged accounts or roles. The inclusion of roles addresses situations where organizations implement access control policies such as role-based access control and where a change of role provides the same degree of assurance in the change of access authorizations for the user and all processes acting on behalf of the user as would be provided by a change between a privileged and non-privileged account. 3.1.7 Prevent non-privileged users from executing privileged functions and capture the execution of such functions in audit logs. Discussion Privileged functions include establishing system accounts, performing system integrity checks, 
conducting patching operations, or administering cryptographic key management activities. Non-privileged users are individuals that do not possess appropriate authorizations. Circumventing intrusion detection and prevention mechanisms or malicious code protection mechanisms are examples of privileged functions that require protection from non-privileged users. Note that this requirement represents a condition to be achieved by the definition of authorized privileges in 3.1.2. Misuse of privileged functions either intentionally or unintentionally by authorized users or by unauthorized external entities that have compromised system accounts is a serious and ongoing concern and can have significant adverse impacts on organizations. Logging the use of privileged functions is one way to detect such misuse, and in doing so, help mitigate the risk from insider threats and the advanced persistent threat. 3.1.8 Limit Unsuccessful Logon Attempts Discussion This requirement applies regardless of whether the logon occurs via a local or network connection. Due to the potential for denial of service, automatic lockouts initiated by systems are, in most cases, temporary and automatically release after a predetermined period established by the organization. If a delay algorithm is selected, organizations may employ different algorithms for different system components based on the capabilities of the respective components. Responses to unsuccessful logon attempts may be implemented at the operating system and application levels. 3.1.9 Provide privacy and security notices consistent with applicable CUI rules. Discussion System use notifications can be implemented using messages or warning banners displayed before individuals log into organizational systems. System use notifications are used only for access via logon interfaces with human users and are not required when such human interfaces do not exist. Based on a risk assessment, organizations consider whether a secondary system use notification is needed to access applications or other system resources after the initial network logon. Where necessary, posters or other printed materials may be used in lieu of an automated system banner. Organizations consult with the Office of General Counsel for legal review and approval of warning banner content. 3.1.10, use session lock with pattern hiding displays to prevent access and viewing of data after a period of inactivity. Discussion. Session locks are temporary actions taken when users stop work and move away from the immediate vicinity of the system but do not want to log out because of the temporary nature of their absences. Session locks are implemented where session activities can be determined, typically at the operating system level, but can also be at the application level. Session locks are not an acceptable substitute for logging out of the system, for example, if organizations require users to log out at the end of the workday. Pattern hiding displays can include static or dynamic images, for example, patterns used with screensavers, photographic images, solid colors, clock, battery life indicator, or a blank screen, with the additional caveat that none of the images convey controlled unclassified information. 3.1.11 terminate, automatically, a user session after a defined condition. Discussion. This requirement addresses the termination of user-initiated logical sessions in contrast to the termination of network connections that are associated with communication sessions. A logical session is initiated whenever a user, or process acting on behalf of a user, accesses an organizational system. 
such user sessions can be terminated and thus terminate user access without terminating network sessions. Session termination terminates all processes associated with a user's logical session except those processes that are specifically created by the user to continue after the session is terminated. Conditions or trigger events requiring automatic session termination can include organization-defined periods of user inactivity, targeted responses to certain types of incidents, and time-of-day restrictions on system use. 3.1.12 Monitor and Control Remote Access Sessions Discussion Remote access is access to organizational systems by users or processes acting on behalf of users, communicating through external networks, like the Internet. Remote access methods include dial-up, broadband, and wireless. Organizations often employ encrypted virtual private networks, VPNs, to enhance confidentiality over remote connections. The use of encrypted VPNs does not make the access non-remote, however, the use of VPNs, when adequately provisioned with appropriate control, may provide sufficient assurance to the organization that it can effectively treat such connections as internal networks. VPNs with encrypted tunnels can affect the capability to adequately monitor network communications traffic for malicious code. Automated monitoring and control of remote access sessions allows organizations to detect cyber attacks and help to ensure ongoing compliance with remote access policies by auditing connection activities of remote users on a variety of system components, such as servers, workstations, notebook computers, smartphones, and tablets. SP846, SP877, and SP800113 provide guidance on secure remote access and virtual private networks. 3.1.13, employ cryptographic mechanisms to protect the confidentiality of remote access sessions. Discussion. Cryptographic standards include FIPS-validated cryptography and NSA-approved cryptography. See NIST Crypto, NIST CAVP, NIST CMVP, National Security Agency Cryptographic Standards. 3.1.14, root remote access via managed access control points. Discussion. Routing remote access through managed access control points enhances explicit, organizational control over such connections, reducing the susceptibility to unauthorized access to organizational systems resulting in the unauthorized disclosure of CUI. 3.1.15, authorize remote execution of privileged commands and remote access to security-relevant information. Discussion. A privileged command is a human-initiated, interactively or via a process operating on behalf of the human, command executed on a system involving the control, monitoring, or administration of the system including security functions and associated security-relevant information. Security-relevant information is any information within the system that can potentially impact the operation of security functions or the provision of security services in a manner that could result in failure to enforce the system security policy or maintain isolation of code and data. Privileged commands give individuals the ability to execute sensitive, security-critical, or security-relevant system functions. Controlling such access from remote locations helps to ensure that unauthorized individuals are not able to execute such commands freely with the potential to do serious or catastrophic damage to organizational systems. Note that the ability to affect the integrity of the system is considered security-relevant as that could enable the means to bypass security functions although not directly impacting the function itself. 
3.1.16 Authorize wireless access prior to allowing such connections. Discussion Establishing usage restrictions and configuration slash connection requirements for wireless access to the system provides criteria for organizations to support wireless access authorization decisions. Such restrictions and requirements reduce the susceptibility to unauthorized access to the system through wireless technologies. Wireless networks use authentication protocols which provide credential protection and mutual authentication. SP 800-97 provide guidance on secure wireless networks. 3.1.17 Protect wireless access using authentication and encryption. Discussion Organizations authenticate individuals and devices to help protect wireless access to the system. Special attention is given to the wide variety of devices that are part of the Internet of Things with potential wireless access to organizational systems. See NIST Crypto. 3.1.18 Control Connection of Mobile Devices Discussion A mobile device is a computing device that has a small form factor such that it can easily be carried by a single individual, is designed to operate without a physical connection, such as wirelessly transmit or receive information, possesses local, non-removable or removable data storage, and includes a self-contained power source. Mobile devices may also include voice communication capabilities, onboard sensors that allow the device to capture information, or built-in features for synchronizing local data with remote locations. Examples of mobile devices include smartphones, e-readers, and tablets. Due to the large variety of mobile devices with different technical characteristics and capabilities, organizational restrictions may vary for the different types of devices. Usage restrictions and implementation guidance for mobile devices include device identification and authentication, configuration management, implementation of mandatory protective software, scanning devices for malicious code, updating virus protection software, scanning for critical software updates and patches, conducting primary operating system, and possibly other resident software integrity checks, and disabling unnecessary hardware. The need to provide adequate security for mobile devices goes beyond this requirement. Many controls for mobile devices are reflected in other CUI security requirements. SP 800-124 provides guidance on mobile device security. 3.1.19 Encrypt CUI on mobile devices and mobile computing platforms. Discussion Organizations can employ full-device encryption or container-based encryption to protect the confidentiality of CUI on mobile devices and computing platforms. Container-based encryption provides a more fine-grained approach to the encryption of data and information including encrypting selected data structures such as files, records, or fields. C. NIST Crypto Mobile devices and computing platforms include, for example, smartphones and tablets. 3.1.20 Verify and control-slash-limit connections to and use of external systems. Discussion External systems are systems or components of systems for which organizations typically have no direct supervision and authority over the application of security requirements and controls or the determination of the effectiveness of implemented controls on those systems. External systems include personally owned systems, components, or devices and privately owned computing and communications devices resident in commercial or public facilities. 
This requirement also addresses the use of external systems for the processing, storage, or transmission of CUI, including accessing cloud services from organizational systems. Organizations establish terms and conditions for the use of external systems in accordance with organizational security policies and procedures. Terms and conditions address, as a minimum, the types of applications that can be accessed on organizational systems from external systems. If terms and conditions with the owners of external systems cannot be established, organizations may impose restrictions on organizational personnel using those external systems. This requirement recognizes that there are circumstances where individuals using external systems need to access organizational systems. In those situations, organizations need confidence that the external systems contain the necessary controls so as not to compromise, damage, or otherwise harm organizational systems. Verification that the required controls have been effectively implemented can be achieved by third-party, independent assessments, attestations, or other means, depending on the assurance or confidence level required by organizations. Note that while external typically refers to outside of the organization's direct supervision and authority, that is not always the case. Regarding the protection of CUI across an organization, the organization may have systems that process CUI and others that do not. And among the systems that process CUI there are likely access restrictions for CUI that apply between systems. Therefore, from the perspective of a given system, other systems within the organization may be considered external to that system. 3.1.21 Limit Use of Portable Storage Devices on External Systems Discussion Limits on the use of organization-controlled portable storage devices in external systems include complete prohibition of the use of such devices or restrictions on how the devices may be used and under what conditions the devices may be used. Note that while external typically refers to outside of the organization's direct supervision and authority, that is not always the case. Regarding the protection of CUI across an organization, the organization may have systems that process CUI and others that do not. Among the systems that process CUI there are likely access restrictions for CUI that apply between systems. Therefore, from the perspective of a given system, other systems within the organization may be considered external to that system. 3.1.22 Control CUI posted or processed on publicly accessible systems. Discussion. In accordance with laws, executive orders, directives, policies, regulations, or standards, the public is not authorized access to non-public information, such as information protected under the Privacy Act, CUI, and proprietary information. This requirement addresses systems that are controlled by the organization and accessible to the public, typically without identification or authentication. Individuals authorized to post CUI onto publicly accessible systems are designated. The content of information is reviewed prior to posting onto publicly accessible systems to ensure that non-public information is not included. 3.2 Awareness and Training Basic Security Requirements 3.2.1 Ensure that managers, systems administrators, and users of organizational systems are made aware of the security risks associated with their activities and of the applicable policies, standards, and procedures related to the security of those systems. Discussion 
Organizations determine the content and frequency of security awareness training and security awareness techniques based on the specific organizational requirements and the systems to which personnel have authorized access. The content includes a basic understanding of the need for information security and user actions to maintain security and to respond to suspected security incidents. The content also addresses awareness of the need for operations security. Security awareness techniques include formal training, offering supplies inscribed with security reminders, generating email advisories or notices from organizational officials, displaying logon screen messages, displaying security awareness posters, and conducting information security awareness events. SP850 provides guidance on security awareness and training programs. 3.2.2 ensure that personnel are trained to carry out their assigned information security-related duties and responsibilities. Discussion Organizations determine the content and frequency of security training based on the assigned duties, roles, and responsibilities of individuals and the security requirements of organizations and the systems to which personnel have authorized access. In addition, Organizations provide system developers, enterprise architects, security architects, acquisition-slash-procurement officials, software developers, system developers, systems integrators, system-slash-network administrators, personnel conducting configuration management and auditing activities, personnel performing independent verification and validation, security assessors, and other personnel having access to system-level software, security-related technical training specifically tailored for. Their assigned duties. Comprehensive role-based training addresses management, operational, and technical roles and responsibilities covering physical, personnel, and technical controls. Such training can include policies, procedures, tools, and artifacts for the security roles defined. Organizations also provide the training necessary for individuals to carry out their responsibilities related to operations and supply chain security within the context of organizational information security programs. SP 800 provides guidance on role-based information security training in the workplace. SP 800 provides guidance on supply chain risk management. Derived Security Requirements 3.2.3 Provide security awareness training on recognizing and reporting potential indicators of insider threat. Discussion Potential indicators and possible precursors of insider threat include behaviors such as inordinate, long-term job dissatisfaction, attempts to gain access to information that is not required for job performance, unexplained access to financial resources, bullying or sexual harassment of fellow employees, workplace violence, and other serious violations of the policies, procedures, directives, rules, or practices of organizations. Security awareness training includes how to communicate employee and management concerns regarding potential indicators of insider threat through appropriate organizational channels in accordance with established organizational policies and procedures. Organizations may consider tailoring insider threat awareness topics to the role, such as training for managers may be focused on specific changes in behavior of team members, while training for employees may be focused on more general observations. We hope you enjoyed this production of NIST 800-171 Revision 2. Original text published in 2020 by the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Production copyright 2023 by Cyber Defense Coach.
For more cybersecurity audiobooks and information, visit cyberdefensecoach.com.